Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. So if you have a Bible, I want you to go to Mark, the 8th chapter, the 22nd and 23rd verses, where we're, we're going to begin. And um, we're going we're gonna to talk about a, a guy who, who had, a, had a very abrupt encounter with Christ in his life. I mean, it was... Uh, it was very uh, radical and life-changing, but it, 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 it came in the form of a process, too. And I think that's the part that we, we, we all know that God's touch is real, and we know God can touch someone and change the course of someone's life. Amen? How many, of you, how many here today, honestly, you thank God because Jesus has changed the course of your life? I mean, you were going like this way, and all of a sudden, Jesus showed up, and you're going a whole different direction because that's what Jesus does. I'm so grateful for that. In Mark 8, chapter 8, verse 22, 23, it says this, and I think this is out of the Amplified. It says, then they came to Bethsaida, and uh, Bethsaida was a, was a village on the, uh, on the lake, and it was a, uh, and actually the name kind of tells it all. It, uh, Beth is house, you know, like throughout the Bible, whatever you see, you know, Bethel is, Beth is the house and El is, uh, is the house of God, Bethel. And this is Bethsaida. The word Seda means uh, fishing. So this is the house of fishing. So I kind of get that picture because Bethsaida was a fishing village. It was filled with fishing, people who were in the fishing business because that's how they made their livelihood was generally would go out into boats and they would go out and catch fish and fish was a staple in those, in those days. And it kind of reminds me of the church. You know, Jesus used that as a metaphor that's, that his people would be, would be fishers of men. And that this, is a, this should be a house of fishing. I'm not talking about, you know, going out on the lake necessarily, but we're fishing. We're fishing for men, Jesus said. I will make you fishers of men. And so he came to Bethsaida, the house of fishing, and some people, everybody say some people. There were some people in this city that, that were, that were acting out of compassion. They were acting out of concern. They were acting out of a, out of a burden to see a, a, a man helped. And it says, and some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch him. Now, can you get this picture? Some people brought a blind man and they begged him. They were, they were begging Jesus, please touch this man. He's, he's a blind man, been blind for his whole life, and it says that taking the blind man by the hand. So at the, at the request of the people, Jesus took the man by the hand. Do you, are you getting a picture here with me? Because this is, I think this is, a, is something that, that really represents the church and what the church is supposed to be doing. The church is supposed to be bringing people to Jesus. The church is not the answer to people's problems. But the church is here to point people and connect people to the man who can answer all of your needs and meet all of your desires and heal you and save you. We're, we're here to bring people to Jesus, and it's the very nature and the heart of Jesus is that when you bring somebody to Jesus, he likes to take them by the hand. Jesus likes to touch people. Come on, I, I'm here to tell you today that, that I'm here today because some people saw a 20-something-year-old alcoholic, washed-up, rock-and-roll hippie with hair down below his shoulders. Get that picture. I have pictures. I have pictures. My hair was longer than Terry's in those days. I was a hippie. You say, oh, I've never seen a hippie. Well, if you've seen me, you've seen a hippie. I know I cut my hair. You know, that's what they told me after I got saved. They said, you should cut your hair. I said, okay, I'll cut my hair. I, it didn't make me any more saved. It just caused people not to react and say, ooh, you're a hippie. 
And so here, they, some people brought a blind man, begged him. Jesus took him by the hand, and he led him out of the village. That's kind of an interesting thing. He kind of got him away from everybody. He got him separated from, from, his, from his comfort zone. Because in the village were all the people he knew. In the village was all the people and circumstances he was familiar with. And if you know, if you're a blind man, you, 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 know, you need to be in familiar surroundings because anywhere, in any time you get out of what's familiar, it's, it, it's treacherous. And so, but Jesus gets him out of his comfort zone. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach here today. I hope you came ready to listen because I came ready to preach. Because I'm going to preach some of you right out of your comfort zone. See, a lot of people go to Jesus because they think I need to be made comfortable. Jesus takes you into something where you might be in an in a, in a uncomfortable situation. Jesus will take you into an even more uncomfortable situation. But you don't mind after he touches you because in that very uncomfortable situation, you come out seeing. He took it by the hand, led him out of the village. And this is kind of really, you talk about awkward. I know a lot of people, you know, I get grief over like, how come, how, you know, how come y'all pray for people like y'all do? Well, listen, be thankful I don't pray for people like Jesus did. So he takes him and lays him out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes, <laughs> you want prayer? And actually, you know what he did? He spit, he made some sp with spittle, he made some clay, and he, he rubbed it in the guy's eyes. I don't know, Jesus did it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after spitting on his eyes, he laid his hands on him because here was the Son of God with the gift and the anointing to heal. I don't know why he spit on his eyes. I think. I think we're going to see part of it was that he, he, was doing, he, was, he was doing something for us. He was saying something to us in this and trying to get his church in a place where, where we, we, could be, we, we could be okay with him leading us into some awkward situations. Y'all ever been in an awkward situation with someone? And you ever been in that place where you, you kind of were afraid to... To, to, to take the next step because you're like thinking, man, they're going to think I'm crazy. And I'm sure this guy was thinking, what was that noise? <sighs> I mean, remember, he's blind. And the next thing you know is you feel something moist in your eyes. And he asked him, here's the tough question that Jesus asked him, do you see anything? Do you see anything? Here was a man that was completely blind. I mean, he was blind. And Jesus asked him a tough question. I mean, it put his ministry on the spot. It put the man on the spot. It put everything on the line because that's how Jesus does it. That's how the gospel was meant to do it. Man, if you're looking for safety, then the gospel is not going to be comfortable to you because Jesus is going to put you in some uncomfortable situations with some uncomfortable people, with some awkward needs in front of you. And the, and the Lord is going to test you and test the people you're ministering to to see if you'll believe God and that question was, hey, do you see anything? Do you see anything? And if you go on in the next, if you go on in the next part of this, what it says is, and he looked up and he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. 
So he did see something. Everybody say something. But what he saw was not really clear to him. But I remember this was a blind man. And he says, what I see is men like trees. So there's some, there's some I, I think there was some literal uh, metaphorical meaning in this whole thing because he's just reporting to you what he's seen. Now, let me, let me tell you something. He's never seen a tree before. I see something tall. You ever see that movie? What do you see? I see dead people. You shouldn't watch that movie. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not recommending it. He said, I see men like trees. Think about this. He was seeing something. This touch that Jesus gave him, this, this touch of God through the anointing that was on Jesus gave him the ability to see something. He wasn't seeing altogether clear, but he wasn't seeing something altogether not clear either because he saw men like trees. We'll get back to that in a minute. Then Jesus laid his hand on his eyes, and the man stared intently, and his sight was completely restored. Let me ask you this question. Why didn't Jesus just do this the first time? Was there something wrong with the healing power and the healing ministry of Jesus? No. He was trying to tell us a story. He was trying to tell people that, look, I've got a great work that I'm going to do in your life. And I'm going to show you how that sometimes the first touch is just the beginning of what is going to be a greater touch. And how the first touch just gets you in. But if you'll keep heading into the process, there's a second touch. There's another touch. There's another way that God has to open you up. Many people run to an altar and they think they got everything when they got that, they prayed that prayer and received Jesus into their life. I'm here to tell you today, you got a lot when you prayed that prayer, but you didn't get it all. There's a process that he's going to take you through. There's opening of your eyes that's going to take a lack of clarity. There's going to take fogginess and all the stuff that's blurred you and blinded you and he's going to pull it off of you and then you're going to see and when you see you're going to say thank God for the second touch are you all with me the second touch and he began to see everything clearly and he sent him to his home saying do not even enter the village Now go back to your home, go back to your tribe, go back to your people and let them see. Don't go by way of the village, go back to your people, go back to your people, to your, those some people. Everybody say some people. Aren't you grateful today that there are some people that God has sent in your life and these people are meant to make you uncomfortable? There, some people will spit in your eye. Come on, church. You feel like it, man, if, if they love me, why would they treat me like that? Because their ultimate goal is to get you to see clearly. And if you don't see clearly, then there's another touch. And they're, they're, they're bringing you and begging for Jesus. Come on, Lord, open their eyes. Come on, Lord, don't let them linger in this place of just halfway seen. Just being halfway saved. We can't be halfway saved anymore, church. It's time we get the second touch from God. Because we're living in a day where we've got to see clearer. We've got to walk in more clarity than we've ever walked before. Come on. It's time for us to have our eyes open because many of us are saying, I see when you don't see. Because if you saw what you're supposed to see, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. And if you saw clearly, you'd be walking a different way than you're walking because God's ability to open your eyes will make the difference. Whoo, Lord, don't make me say that over again. Do... 
man, and I've been walking every day. <laughs> Come on, help me. You don't get it all in just one touch, one trip. Listen, I've been walking this for over 35 years. I didn't get it all in my first trip. Can I tell you a little secret? I keep getting more and more. I keep leaning in more and more. I didn't get it all in one trip. I never had the, I, I never want to have the idea that I'm saved and satisfied. I used to hear these testimonies, you know, they're like, I thank God I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Really? What, how does, how do, is, that, is that real to you today? Are you walking in that clarity today? Or is it just something God did for you back in the past? I'm glad that when I didn't know how to pray, some people were praying. They were begging God on my behalf. And now that I can see clearer, now I'm the one who's praying. I'm the one who's begging God, God, please open his eyes. Please, God, open his eyes before he sleeps the sleep of death. God, open her eyes and help her to see. That's my job here as a pastor, is to help open your eyes. I'm not here just to send goosebumps down your spine. I'm here to lay the second hand on you. I'm here to spit in your eye if I have to and, and then lay hands on you again. And if I have to, I'll lay hands on you again. And if I have to, I'll lay hands on you again until the opening of your eyes completely changes you and you're not just somebody who shows up at church but you're the expression of Jesus and his work is real in your life and it's time for the church to be the expression of Jesus and not just show up at church we got tons of people who just go to church why would you just go to church when you can be the church Sometimes it takes awkward measures to get healed. Some people get like all weird, you know, like, I don't know if I could do that. Well, I'm telling you, when you're desperate, you'll do anything. When, when, when you're, you know, I've seen, I've seen it where people have been challenged. and I've, I've challenged people. I said, listen, I want you to step out in faith and you take that first step and watch God do his part. Because the Bible teaches you know, that if you, if you draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. People who have addictions, they want God to take it away. What God wants you to do is lay it down. Well, when God takes it away, then I just won't do it anymore, I guess. Well, what about until then? You're going to live under that bondage, or are you going to trust God and say, God, I need another touch, and God, I need another touch, and when you wake up tomorrow, God, I need another touch, because I, I believe God's got some powerful deliverance that he's trying to affect on people, and we're waiting for God to do it when God already did it. We're waiting for God to unfold it when he's already poured it out. We're waiting for God to, 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 to give it when he says, I want you to receive it. And so sometimes it gets a little awkward. Sometimes it takes some awkward measures to get healed. Sometimes you got to get out of where you are. No, I'm serious. Some, some of you got to get out of your environment. Some of you got to get away from some people that are poisoning you and holding you back. Why do you think Jesus said, don't go back to that village, a bunch of unbelievers? Go back home. Get back home. Can I tell you all you lost wayward sons and daughters, it's time for you to get home. Quit playing around. Quit playing out in the world and just checking into church. What you need to do is get plugged in and not checked in. Y'all love me. It's good. I take that by faith because... I ain't feeling it so much. But you see, here's what people do. I want to read to you this passage right here because I think this is, this is, uh, this is where I want to get to, Psalm 92, verse 12 and 13. It says, the righteous will flourish. Everybody say flourish. flourish. 
the righteous will flourish like the date palm. A date palm was a tree indigenous to, to Israel and, and, and the Middle East. And date palms were, think of palm trees. Oh, I love palm trees, especially in January. <laughs> yeah, it's coming, folks. Do you feel it in the air? I got up this morning. I'm like, oh, Lord, Jesus, time to break out the flannel. Here we go. So the, the, <laughs> the righteous will flourish like the date palm. The interest, interesting thing about a date palm is it's one of the fastest growing trees. It will grow two to three feet a year. A year, two to three feet a year. The dates that come off the palm tree are very useful and, and, and very uh, beneficial to, for many different applications because they, when they flourish, it, 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 it will bless you like you can make oils and you can make meals and you can make uh, medicines and you can do all kinds of things with the date that comes off a palm. Palm trees live long. Palm trees have, have strength and, and, they're, and they grow tall. And so he's, he's likening, David's likening the righteous will flourish like the date palm. How many of you want to live long? I do. I want to live long. I want to be upright. I want to live right. I mean, I decided a long time ago that, uh, that living, living according to the world, had no, there was no future in it. There was no, there was no life in it. That if you, if you don't live right, your life can be cut off suddenly and without remedy. And I want to be upright. And I want to be useful. I want to be useful. Hello, I want to be useful. I want people, I mean, people say, I don't know, these people use me. Glory to God, I want to be used. Use me till you use me up. Bump, bump, bump. Young people are like, what is that? It's a song. I want to be useful. Then he says this, look, they will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon. Lebanon was known for its cedar trees. Yeah, yeah, listen, cedar is one of the most beautiful woods ever. As someone who's worked with wood and and built and and I have built houses. I built some houses once and we lined the master closets with cedar. When you would open the door, it smelled so good. It's like, man, I want to I live in the closet. It has such an aroma. Cedar is strong. It's, it's cedar is what the temple was built out of. Cedar is a long-lasting wood. Cedar, when it's grown in the, in the, in the towers of, of Lebanon, it had no knots in it. Did you know that? You know what knots are in a wood, right? I mean, they may look nice, but knots... Weaken the wood, actually. Knots are, are, are things in wood that actually weakens its strength. But cedars had no knots in it. They, they had no imperfections in it. And it was what they built the temple out of. And, and the cedars of Lebanon were world-renowned. Every country in the known world in, in the beginning of time wanted the cedars of Lebanon. They built boats out of them. They built temples out of them. They there were, the, the heathens believed that gods inhabited these trees. They were so majestic and so awesome. Lebanon's cedars in Lebanon were known to grow as high as 250 feet tall. 75 feet around. Root systems that were 150 feet across and 150 feet deep. That's why they would stand in a storm. That's why you could see the mountains covered with them because they were majestic and they were stable. You see what I'm saying to you this morning is God says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. The majesty, the stability, the usefulness, the strength will all be manifested there. Now, here's the condition. You ready for this? Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. 
In other words, now listen to me. The only way you can flourish like a palm tree, grow like a cedar in Lebanon, is if you're planted. A lot of people are placed, but they're not planted. If you're just showing up in a church, you're placed. But when you set your roots down and you decide, I'm going to be a part of what this church represents, and I'm going to join with my brothers and sisters, and I'm going to, I'm going to just put myself into this place that I'm in, that's what you call planted. Are you with me? Families that decide as a family, let's, let's plant with this group because we identify with them. And listen, you're going to say, okay, okay Pastor Mike, give us the pitch because you're going you're gonna to make City Point the place you ought to be planted. Listen, I know City Point isn't everybody's thing. Hello. That it is not everybody's thing. I'm, I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock you. As, as a pastor, though, and because I love you and I love people. If you can't be planted here, then go somewhere where you can be planted. Because until you're planted, you cannot and will not flourish. There's a lot of great churches in the, right in this city. Men that I love. If you like the old classic Pentecostal kind of uh, church, uh, Jerry Martin's church at the Church of God down on Central Avenue. But you better get there quick because he's about to retire. What a great man. 37 years he's put into that church. There's Crossroads Family Church with Pastor Mike Bean, a great man. I could go on. There's, there's, there's a lot of great churches. If you like, if you like churches that are more uh, formal, we got those. If you like churches that sing out of hymnals, there's those in Portage. If you like churches where the preacher wears a robe and is, and is boring, there's a plenty of those around too. <laughs> See, I don't like you. You're too loud. Well, I, I can't help it. I, I tried to be quiet, and, and I tried it once, and it didn't work for me. So I got to be me. I am not Chuck Swindoll. I love Chuck Swindoll. I've always wanted to teach like Chuck Swindoll. And, and I get to, I get, today I'm just going to stand up, and I'm just going to teach like Chuck Swindoll. And, then Mike Hendon slips out, <laughs> ticks me off. <laughs> but you understand, I'm telling you. <laughs> no, no, I didn't do that. Oh, I've been do that for that. You understand what I'm saying, though. I'm, I'm telling you, if you, if, from my heart as a, as a pastor who's watched people for years, people who come in and, and just sit in a church, you will not flourish. They, people say, well, you know, I go to church. I, I, a guy, you know, guys, I, I deal with guys all the time. And they, they, they say, well, you know, I, and, and they're having trouble and they're having deep trouble. And, they, and, and I know they go to church. But just going to church is not what he's talking about here. He's talking about being planted. When you're planted in a church, you connect with people. You connect in a, in a small group because you can't do church like just on this level. You need somebody in a small group who can, who can ask you the hard questions. For years, I met with Bishop Johnson until he went to be with the Lord two months ago. And now, and now I'm, I'm trying to step in and, and offer what he offered me to other men. And I would sit and I would tell, I would tell I, when I went to the bishop, I said, Bishop, I give you the permission to ask me the hard questions, the questions nobody will ask me. I want you to dig around in my roots. I want you to challenge me. I want you to tell me get over myself when I need to get over myself. I want you to rebuke me when I need to be rebuked. I want you to correct me when I need to be corrected. I want you to love me when I'm feeling like nobody loves me. And that bishop loved me like that for years and poured into me. And it was the roots that grew out of that that made me uh, who I am today and helped me 
father and, and be a father to people. And I'm telling you, God wants you. People say, well, I'm looking for that too. Well, then become that. Let's, how about we do something different? Instead of us just going to church, let's try being the church. Let's get busy about getting on with the mission of becoming like Jesus. Quit all this pomp and circumstance. I'm going, where are you going? I'm going to church. Where are you going? I just come from church. How was it? It was good. But I just go right back to my old life doing my same thing. God wants to change us. He wants to change us. He wants to challenge us. It's time to get over ourselves. This is about Jesus. This is about getting planted in the house of the Lord. There's a huge difference when you're planted. Uh, let me go over this because I got so much I need to, to do here and, and I want to get there. Let me give you these points because I got somewhere to go here. Planted means you are rooted. Everybody say rooted. Rooted, rooted means you set down roots in a house. You put your roots down in a place and you decide I'm going to tie in there. One of the amazing things about cedar trees is how when you plant them together, how their root system grows together. And even when a tree is subjected to unusual uh, 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 wind uh, uh, opposition and, and, and forces that would try to bring it down, because its root system is tied together with other trees, those other trees are there to support and give that, tr give that tree the ability to stand. When it if that tree was standing all alone, it would fall. And so when you're planted, you're planted and you put roots down. When you're planted, it means what you are. This is so close to my heart. What you are is the expression then worked out through what you do. You know, a lot of people do things that are not really congruous with who they are. That we call that hypocrisy. But when you, when you become the church, my goal and my passion has been to just be the church. I brought my kids up to, to get rooted and to commit to the church. I knew the church had imperfections. I've never been in a perfect church yet. And if I found one, I wouldn't join it because I'd screw it all up. I never found a perfect church. There is no perfect church. But I taught my kids to get rooted in a place and commit to it because that's what we do. My kids never came to me and said, are we going to church today? If your kids ever come up to you and say, are we going to eat today? No, go get hungry. Go over there. I ain't feeding you, little heathen. Get out of here. That's not how you do. What is it? Let me tell you something, too. You don't give a kid. You don't give a kid the choice. Do you give that kid a choice? You want to go to school today? No, I want to be stupid my whole life. Get your butt up, get your clothes on, and get out the door. The bus is going to be here in five minutes. Y'all still love me? My, my family was raised to be planted. I've been planted, you know, I've been around for 30-something years, but I plant, I put my roots into a place. And then when God, when I'm done, I move. And my wife, have, because of ministry and stuff, we've been in, in different assignments and different roles and different responsibilities, but because I am committed to the church. This is one preacher who, let me tell you something, I see and I am, don't have my head up in the clouds. I know the church is imperfect. I know the church has its problems. I know the church is filled with perfect people, but the church is still the best hope of the world. The church is still here to represent the very heart and nature of God. The church, with all of its imperfections, is still the best thing going today. And I make no apologies for it. I love the church, and I love when the church is functioning and just serving. I know it gets off track sometimes. I know we get lost in our way. Sometimes we get all high and mighty and we get caught up in all kinds of stuff and side issues and all kinds of arguments and all this. And you know, I just tell people, look, stop arguing. 
I'm not here to win an argument. I'm here to win the lost. Y'all debate that over there because I'm going to go after the lost. And I'm telling you, we're coming into, we're coming into November. And Facebook is going to blow up with all the political stuff. Can I just implore you? Go vote. Go vote. Because if you don't vote, you, you should just keep your mouth shut. And vote your convictions. And vote what you believe. But when it comes to your Facebook stuff, please don't, don't go down low. You're not going to convince anybody. All you're going to do is alienate people, infuriate people. I know I get a certain pleasure out of making certain people mad. But I don't do it on Facebook. It's cowardly, for one thing. I want to represent Jesus. And, and I can't represent Jesus and, be, and keep a right spirit and get all political. Y'all did not come here this morning to hear me preach on politics, did you? I am a pastor and a preacher of the gospel. Politics will not save you. Jesus will. I, again, don't make that like, oh, Christians shouldn't have it. No, I didn't say that. I just said I, I, keep, it, I keep it straight. I keep it really straight. I'm, I'm very aware of what's going on. I'm very educated. I, I'm attuned to what's happening in our country. And I'm, I'm very burdened, and I'm, I'm praying for our nation. But I want to pray from the standpoint of being planted in the house of God. Standing tall, standing firm, standing true. And, and standing in, in, in purity and uprightness. And so what he says, he says planted means what you are is ex the expression of what you do. That's flourishing. Flourishing. Flourishing means you, you're, 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 you're growing, you're, you're, you're rooted down. It means you're, you're, you're moving forward. You're, you're, your life is an expression of, of the very heart of God. And where God met you and how God met you is so important because when you're planted, you grow. You know, it's amazing to me how many there are people are in church and are not growing. How do you be in church and not grow? You're just placed and not planted. And so he says planted means you stand together as a forest like the cedars of Lebanon. It's the ecclesia. The called out ones, the church, you come together, we stand together, we pray together, we go after Jesus together, we love our community together. That's, that's the church. The church is here to love the city. We're here to love on this city. We're here to love on the lost. Can you say amen? amen. We're, here to, we're here to love on lost people. We're not here to offer an opinion on everything. We're here to, we're here to offer the gospel. You know, I, I, I want, you, know, you know how I have said over the years that I'm a hope dealer? You know, what, you know what thrills me as a pastor is when I see someone get a hold of this hope and it so changes their life that they get hooked on hope. You know what a dope dealer does? He says, try this and get hooked on this. I'm a hope dealer. I say, hey, try this. Can I challenge you? Would you get plugged in and planted in a church? No, try it. Really, seriously, try it. Try really getting planted. Really, I, 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 I'm afraid. I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid I might get hurt. Yeah, that's some really good fertilizer to help you grow. I'm, I'm afraid that I can't do it. I'm unable. Oh, that's a perfect place because in your weakness, he'll be made strong. I'm afraid, Pastor Mike, that, that people just won't understand me. 
Do you know the statistically two out of three people on this planet are crazy? And so if one, if one person sitting next to you isn't crazy, I went to Weight Watchers yesterday. Terry and I went to two different times. We weren't in the meeting together. We find that if we ride separate and go to different meetings, we don't fight on the way there or on the way home. So I, she went early and I went in and I, you know, you go in and first thing you do is get weighed in. Two more pounds, praise God. Fourteen and counting. So I, I want you to hold me accountable. So I get up there, I walk up there and I hand her my thing so she can scan me in. And the lady goes, is your wife crazy? And I go, yes. <laughs> and she goes, and she smiled. She, she was, and, I, and I, she smiled and I said, that's what makes her so adorable. I, I'm, but I'm telling you, people say, well, I, I just don't know. If, people won't understand me. This is, listen, I, I don't understand myself sometimes. And I have, I have this ability to, to yoke up with people. I don't have to understand all about you. But I just have, all we have to do is love each other and give space to each other. So put aside your fears and, and get plugged in. And, and, and then when you serve, you see, when, 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 the, when you get plugged into this hope and, and you, you just start serving in something, all of a sudden there's, there's no greater high than to see God use you in something that you were totally out of your comfort zone or totally a, a little while before unable to even do. See, a lot of people think, a, a lot of people think well, I can't, I can't do this. I can't, I mean, how could God, what, what would I say? How would I do this? They feel inadequate. They feel in, in untrained. And man, the way, we, the way we do it is we just go, we use a simple formula. Come out, and, come out and join us and just watch. And then next time you get to participate. And then, and then, then we just kind of let you do it and we watch. That's kind of how I've done prison ministry with people. I would just take them with me and let them watch what we do. And then the next time, I'd say, here, you do this. And then I step back. And then the next time, I, I say, well, you, you go. Yeah, but, but Pastor Mike, I don't know. No, you can do this. You go. And that's how people get implemented. So let me tell you a little story. You know, because um, we, got, we got somebody here today we're going to do something with. In fact, um, this is how people um, get the thrill of, uh, of, of finding out what it's like to be used by God. And um, so y'all know Letitia, right? Y'all, Letitia, Tanya and Letitia, come on up here. Let me just get them up here. I need a microphone. You got a microphone? Oh, I got it over here. So this, y'all know Letitia. You might not know. This is Tanya Lewis, right? And uh, so we were at the banquet last year, and this little thing got up and gave this tremendous testimony. Here, you take that. And I was just blown away by it. What is it? It was probably just a little over a year and a half ago. You were kind of messed up, right? Mm -hmm. You were really messed up. Let's yeah. just be honest. You was jacked up. <laughs> and um, a few girls, uh, Letitia was, was in Texas, and a few of the ladies on the team um, they got a call to, to see if they would go minister to Tanya. And um, so they went over, uh, Kathy and it was, Kathy. and your daughter, yeah. uh, Caitlin. 
so they went over and they visited you, right? And um, you, your life was kind of out of control. You were bound up in some addictions and stuff. And you made a commitment because you were like, you were like Jeremiah. You know, if you want to read a passage of Scripture, read Jeremiah 17, verse 6. And it says, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man in whose arm uh, he relies in his own trust. He shall be like a bush, a bramble who's in the desert. He said, no roots. You're just blown, tossed about. Your life was being slowly destroyed. But then some people who loved, some people who really, they weren't like high-powered evangelists, Billy Grahams. They were just people who really love well, people who really have a heart for people. They came and they shared with you, right? And they talked to you and they, they prayed with you and talked to you into going away. You left the village, so to speak. You we went to the farm. And um, so you went to the farm for like a week, right? Oh, a year. I knew that. Because you see, here's the thing, folks. When, when you're going to get planted, if you're going to, you know, you gotta come, you got to come out of that environment, whatever that means to you. Even if you don't have an addiction and you're just trying to get your tracks with Jesus, that's why you gotta get, you got to get plugged in with a whole new culture, a whole new people, a whole new group. Because if you try to stay in your environment... That Think of it like a, a plant, a tender plant. If you stay in that environment and you don't get yourself planted in the right environment, you'll, you'll eventually self-destruct. Are you with me? And so God put her in this new environment for a whole year. And then when I saw you last year, you were coming out of the program, and right? And then now you're in Chicago. When you saw me last year, I was still in the program. I graduated in March. March. And you've been six months working with the ministry that helped behind all that. Yeah. And now tell us what the next step is. Um, so I've been working with my church um, in Chicago for six months. And I'm, I'm from Portage. I lived here my whole life. But I've been, I moved to Chicago to stay with them. They kept me in course with them. And there's this school that I want to start, um, that I'm going to start next week, September 15th, is my first day and it's called master's commission it's um a three-year-long ministry school like like a bible school for like 18 to 26 year olds and i'm gonna start i want to be a missionary my like i god placed in my heart to go to these places like haiti africa and just anywhere and help you, these you've kids. been to haiti yeah i've been i went to haiti i got we got blessed in the farm to go to haiti so i was in haiti for a week and when i was there it was the most amazing experience I ever had. And because I wasn't sure, like, it's hard getting my roots. And I wasn't sure when I was at the farm that I wanted to stay there. And when I went to Haiti, um, it put me over the top. And God spoke to me. In my, in my, and he said, I need you to go to master's commission. I need you to stick it out and stay with me because this is what you're going to be doing. And I was with wow. kids. And we were helping these special needs kids. And. I, I believe the calling over my life is to go and spend months, like go to Haiti for a few months and help this kid start a ministry there, go to Africa, go to wherever, and do that. So my church has a master's commission. I started September, and it's a three-year program. And by the end of the first year, I could have my associate's degree of, of, of missions. So. Amen. So... So, like, get this, too. So, because she's, she's from Portage, she's tied to us through Not Your Shame, because her heart just resonates to me what redemption's all about. Because God spoke to me and said, I want you to sow into that as a church. So, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Now, think about this. Less than two years ago, she was addicted, not living any kind of way for God. You, you, you were kind of brought up in church, though, weren't you? Yeah. But you weren't planted, were you? No, no, you were just placed. Yeah, I was like, I just went to, like, please other people. I went, you know, a couple Sundays here and there. I was never. Yeah. That's all different now, though, isn't it? Yes. It's a whole different thing when you get planted. How, how many remember back in Mother's Day when, when, uh, when we passed out the, the plants to 
all the moms. Remember that? And I told Terry, I said, Terry, go, you know, go do something this time to bless the ladies. And, um, you know, when she comes back with this flat a little, I was a little disappointed, but I know better because, you know, I kept my mouth shut. And because uh, I'm thinking, you know, flowers and she comes back with this tray and they were kind of puny. Y'all remember that? They were in little bitty, like, they were in like, like almost like the size of shot glasses. Not that I know what a shot glass looks like, but, but, but they were like in little bit, and they were little flowers and they were, and I'm like, is that okay? I did, you know, yeah. So we gave those out. Well, I got, this is cool. You didn't even know this, but I got this picture sent. This, this is, uh. Rachel took that flower home and she repotted it. And see, I believe God's repotted you. And maybe it was just a little bitty flower, but you were a flower. You, you had value then. You did, but it, it was even hard for you to see it. And others probably weren't too much likened either. But, but then God gets a hold of your life. And you decide to commit to some. Listen, it takes a commitment. A lot of people are willing to go through a prayer line. But how many people will really come in and take roots? Yeah, slap that oil on me, pastor. Yeah, what you need to do is get rooted. Because you've had everybody slap oil on you and you're still a hot mess. But when you get planted and you get repotted, this is Rachel's plant. I can't, when, I, when her daughter sent this to me, I don't know, even know if Rachel, did you know she sent that to me? Did you know? Rachel, can I give you some tomato plants? <laughs> so so she, you can see, if you look down through there, she took it out of that little bitty thing and she potted it. And look at how the thing has grown because of its root system able to spread out and get deeply rooted because all you need to grow is some soil. She's got it right in front of the sunlight and then the, the, she waters it and it gets warmth and it gets everything that it needs and you don't have to fret over it. You don't have to worry over it. You don't have to get anxious over it. All you have to do is is, is give it what it needs and watch it blossom. And there's a whole lot of people sitting right here today. God wants to repot you. Tyler came in, his life was going one direction. Then all of a sudden he walks into a church and his whole life turns around. And now we get to enjoy what God is doing and blossoming in a young man's life. And God's only getting started with that young man. There's so much God has to unfold as God continues to put him in environments that are going to challenge him and expand him and grow him because that's what God does. She's about to go into a, a whole other level of this. And, and I want to be a part of this. And I want to be a pastor who stands with people and says, I want to help you. I'm going to help water you. I'm going to stand with you when you can't stand for yourself. I don't have trouble with people who are weak. What I have trouble with is people who won't commit. Yeah, well, if you, I'll do that, and I might be there, and I might show up, and I might come out, and you can't build a, you can't build a life-changing movement of people around that. I need you to get planted. So I'm going to ask the ushers to bring a basket, right? Would you all come stand right down here? Do you want to say anything? I just brought you up here because I like you. But would you bring a basket, put it right on the floor right here in front of Tanya? This is, this is Tanya. We're going to take an offering up right now. If you want to give online, you can use the online number and type guest. And we will know it goes to Tanya. And here's the thing, folks, I, 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 I want to bless her. I, I want to see this be a substantial offering. I want you to partner with her like she was your daughter, your granddaughter. Uh, like she was, because I, I believe, I just believe in this. I believe this is, this is where we're going. This is what our whole emphasis on Camp Reset is. What a better way, what a better way 
than just begin sowing into this, sowing into this. Because I believe, listen, I believe God is going to raise up tons of people right out of this garden who are going to touch the world for Jesus. And before they were just out here withering, dried up, all alone. I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for Tanya. Father, I just thank you, God, as I lay my hands on her. God, I thank you for the beautiful work that you have done. And God, how you're just beginning. And God, you have moved her into one uh, phase to another phase. And you have brought her from one pot to another pot. And you're fixing to replant her once again. God, I pray favor and blessing, anointing. I pray grace over her. God, I thank you, God, that the gifts that you have placed in her are just now coming out, Lord. Like the axe head, you're making it swim. Lord God, the things that have been even hidden from her, things that she didn't see clearly, now the second touch, God means she's going to see clearly. She's going to go away seen with clarity. And God, that in that vision, oh God, she is going to prosper because, Lord God, that's how vision works. And Lord God, I pray that her eyes are open. And she sees the hope of her calling. And God, I thank you for that. And I praise you for it. And I just release it into her. And I just thank you for the provision for every dime of this tuition to be paid in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It's, it's so awesome. See, this is the why you should be plugged into a church and really plan it. Because there's no greater thrill than to see when you've done something and see the results that come and if you're taught, a, you know, I, I, one day a little kid came up to me and, you know, one part of my journey, I, me and Terry were teaching a, a, teaching a kid's class, you know, and, and, and here's how I did it. I, I, I was like, I was kind of intimidated to be in a room full of 12-year-olds. So I took like five pounds of candy with me every week. Yeah, because if you were good and behaved, you went home on a sugar high. And if you didn't, you didn't get any candy. I, I was, was my approach. I was just doing the best I could for crowd control. But I remember one day this little boy walked, this young boy walked up to me and he said, he hugged me. And he said, Pastor Mike, I don't, I, I just, I love you. You know, and I said, man, I love you too. His name was Dom, Dominic. He didn't have a dad. He said, Pastor, he didn't say pastor because you know how kids are. He said, hey, dude. I don't know what he said. He said, I, he said, I just love you. And I hugged him. I mean, to me, I mean, I, I, you know, kids could get on your nerves. I, there's Sundays I went out of there and I'm like, oh, God, I, I, need, I need a drink. <laughs> I mean, I was crazy. But when I got that hug, I just sensed, you know, this is why we do this. A, a, a little while later, like, I don't know, it was about a year later, he, he walked up to me. He was, now he's a teenager, and 13, and he says, uh, he says hey, I played, I played bass in the worship team. And he told me, he walked up to me after church was over, and I was putting my bass away. And, and he says, Pastor, he said, Mike, he said, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a bass. And I'm going to learn how to play that bass. I put the bass away. I gave it to him. I said, here, you got yourself a bass. I sowed that into that young man's life. And you know what he did? He plays that bass in a worship team. See, that's, that's what we do. That's why you plug in. There's no greater feeling to know you've made a difference by just showing up. You don't have to do anything great. Just show up and dig in and, and just be a part of someone's life. Amen? Give these gals a hand. I love them. Hey, would you take, you got this? Thank you. We'll get that together and we're going to enhance it as a church and we're sowing into this and we're going to so, so I've, and I've, been on the, I've been on the phone this week with John. So in the first week of January, we're planning a youth mission trip to the, to the Dominican Republic. 
as young as a young person, if you're interested, you can be. You know, I, 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 we're gonna. We have only room. I only got room for eight people. So you need to let me know. This is how we're gonna make it there. It's only for people who are plugged in here. This is what I'm getting serious. I'm dead serious about this. I mean, it's just, it's time. Don't you think it's time for the church to make a difference? So we have, we have this thing coming up this month that launches now. It's launching now. It's called City Circles. And this morning, I'm going to introduce to you uh, Renee. Renee, come up, and I think Julie might be with you, however, however you all decided to do this. And I, I, want, I want to encourage you. Listen, I, I have... I have said this in so many different ways where this is our fall semester it's a really important thing i believe city circles is not about the it's not we we have all kinds of things all kinds of curriculum it's not about the curriculum though it's the curriculum is 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 secondary it's about connections it's about being plugged in it's about planning in the house of the lord and to be planted you should be a part of a small group praying together sharing together talking together so they're going to introduce the leaders. I'm going to pray and I'm going to sit down. As we end the service, it's going to end a little different this morning. But if you would like prayer after this is all over with, we'll have some of the team over here to pray for any needs that you have. Just come on over. So Father, I just thank you today. I pray, God, that your church will find its way to not just being placed, but being planted. I pray, God, that you'll repot some people even this morning, that a year from now, they'll look back and say, this, this was kind of a strange thing, but this changed my heart. It brought my life into a whole different direction. So I just pray for people today, God, to be repotted, even some to be replanted. God, I know, I pray, God, everyone here will find a place to be planted. If it's not here, it's somewhere. God, that they will, they will plant in the house of the Lord somewhere. Because there's a lot of good places, God. But there's no place for just being placed. It's time to be planted. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.